a huge storm just ran through my city and I had a friend over and we were sitting at the window um, under the curtains just watching lightning strobing across the sky and the whole time she was here the lights kept flickering but they never went out and the storm eventually passed the worst was over she went home to be with her partner and I was home alone trying to figure out you know what I'm gonna do with my night and then the power goes off and it comes back on and it goes off and it comes back on and it goes off and it's still off and it's probably going to be off for a while so I'm going to make use of my time by recording uh, another chapter in the dark lit by a uh, fake tea candle light because I don't have real candles <laughs> and these are things that I just bought on a whim as a joke to build a fake shrine at my office at work so I guess this is what I'm doing now. I guess this is it. Buckle up. It's chapter two. Oh, hey, the power just came back on. Wow, neat. <laughs> I haven't even started my story, but I'm very happy that I don't have to worry about my laptop battery running down. I'm still going to tell you a story, though. Maybe I'll turn off the light for the ambience. Ambiance. I don't know how you say that word. I'm, you're going to find out I'm very bad at pronouncing words. Okay, I turned off all the lights again, but my choice this time. There's something so much scarier about darkness when it's um, involuntary and not your choice. Because I'm a lot less scared now that I turned off the lights on my own. I think it's just because I know that I can turn them back on and be not scared at any second. Um, anyway... Chapter 2. The wind rustled through the leaves at night in the woods as two men trekked their way through, pulling back branches, going through the various shrubbery that lay, leaves crunching under their feet. It's late in the summer now, and you can see the bare tips of autumn reflecting on the lowest leaves in the trees. It's dark in the forest where the moonlight doesn't reach through the leaves, and Audric insisted that they can't use flashlights. And he also insisted that they can't use any night vision equipment to aid their way. Vitale follows Audric blindly through the woods, trusting that he knows where he's going and that... Trusting that he knows what they're even doing because Audric didn't bother telling Vitale just expecting him to follow blindly, as he always does. They had been walking since late in the evening, long past the borders of Alaria. They must be in Etsu territory by now, but Vitale doesn't ask. He knows better. He stays silent. He follows, carrying the weight of unknown equipment for some unknown 
mission. They continue trekking in silence the way they usually do. There isn't much they have in common, nor much that they have to talk about. They're not friends, they're just co-workers at best. They wind down the trees, making their own path, following some unknown directions, before Vitale starts to see lights, a soft light in the distance, hopefully their destination. And this is confirmed when Audric halts him and starts motioning for them to get their bags off their back and starts unpacking some of the gear inside. Vitale waits to be explained. Again, he knows better than to ask too many questions too soon. From the bag, Audric pulls out knives and rope and a mask similar to the one uh, Vitale wears in his Atiri uniform. Audric throws the mask to Vitale, grunting at him to put it on and to keep his face covered. But Audric doesn't make a move to cover his own face. Finally, Audric starts to explain what they're doing and what their goal is. We're here to make an alliance with the Antal leader. Tried to do this back home, but they are stubborn people. And they think that we're weak from relying on the technology that we're granted inside the kingdom. So you and I are going to prove to them tonight that we are not weak. No modern technology, no huge army, or outnumbering them. You and I are going to secure this, the town. We are going to sneak into the leader's house, and we're going to say hello and see what that does for us in proving that we are worth making an alliance with. And Vitale, you're going to be the Pyxis here. You're going to keep your mask on. You're just, you're not an individual. You are, let's say you're a henchman. Or I think champion is the word that they like to use. So we'll call you that. You're my champion. Audric gives Vitali a big clap on the back. That sounds better than henchman, doesn't it? Questions, what do you need to know? Where, where do we start? Vitali squints towards the... Lights in the distance. Um, he's thinking of a plan, thinking of how to even start. Non-lethal, right? Vitaly asks, clarifying, making sure that he hasn't doesn't have to do anything that might make things worse instead of better. Audric shakes his head. Even I'm not that aggressive. Where is the leader's house? How do we get to it? How do we recognize it? Vitaly asked. Center of town, biggest house, can't miss it. You know, standard stuff. Ask better questions, dummy. Audric jested back. Together they work out the details of how they're going to strategize their movements. Audric is to go around one side, Vitale around the other, and they're to incapacitate but not actually harm any of the guards or watchmen who might be up and about. 
once that's done, they're going to meet on in the shadows on the east side of the leader's house before making their way in together. Audric in the lead, of course. They divvy up the equipment between them. Audric finally taking a face mask and each taking their share of ropes and knives, though they should hopefully shouldn't have to use them. And they split up, each taking the opposite side of town. Stealth was never really Vitale's specialty as a member of the Tyria Guard, but he would do his best. LaRue was known as the sneaky, stealthy one. She's small and light on her feet, but for whatever reason, Audric chose Vitale to come along. While torches are a great way to see what's in the shadows, it's also a great way for whatever is in the shadows to see you. Vitaly hid behind a bush, watching as one of the guards made his way across a cobblestone sidewalk. Vitaly searches the ground for something that he can throw to distract the guard and finds some stones and a couple sticks. He throws one and watches the the watchman turn his head as it lands amongst the leaves. The watchman's eyes gaze through the darkness, outreaching his torch to try to discern what's out there, what kind of animal might be lurking about, if it's something that they can eat or if it's something that he needs to chase away. Vitaly throws another, another rock and watches the watchman's curiosity grows as he cautiously comes out of the light of the city, out of the light of the town. Vitaly watches patiently, watching the man come closer and closer. And when he's close enough, Vitaly jumps out of the bush from behind the guard, puts an arm around the guard's mouth, and pulls him to the ground. It was hard for the thought not to come across his head that it would be so much easier to have used a stun gun or a flash grenade or literally anything other than just his hands and rope. But Audric had some mission, some strength to prove, and it was his job to aid in it. So the watchman and Vitale struggled on the ground before he was able to knock the man out, dragging the watchman's limp body to a tree and binding his arms and legs and putting a gag in his mouth in case he woke up. He continued circling the city, keeping an eye out for the people wandering around and subdued them in similar manners, hiding in the shadows, luring them out away from the rest of the town and choking them out or tying them up out of reach, out of sight. By the time he had finished, he could already see Audric in the shadows by the leader's building, waiting impatiently, his mask off his face and his light eyes reflecting the torches in the city. Audric grunts in acknowledgement when Vitale runs up to meet him. Vitale keeps his mask on, as instructed, and follows Audric onto the steps of the house. Audric tries the door. It's 
unsurprisingly locked and motions quietly for Vitale to pick it for him. Another thing that LaRue would have been much better at with her small and nimble hands, but he also had the training and he could fumble through it as well. A minute goes by and he hears the click of the turning lock and the door is open for them. The two make their way through the dark hall, their footsteps quiet and soft on the wood floor. Though it's well into the night, they see they see light from a flickering candle from underneath the door. And Audric motions with his head for Fidale to kick it down so they can make their bold entrance. Vitaly nods, squares himself up, and delivers one decisive kick right by the door handle. And the door falls instantly, caving to the weight and force of his kick. He steps aside to let Audric enter first, and then follows behind him. The large man that was sitting at the desk with a flickering candle stands and turns abruptly, glaring at Audric and Fatale, seeing their unarmed hands, wondering what the hell they're doing there. Nice to finally meet you, Antal, Audric said with a, a winning smile, knowing that he's outsmarted this leader, outmaneuvered him. The man grunts with familiarity. Is this really how you want to make an alliance, Audric? By breaking into my home? The man reaches and rings a large bell on the table next to him, the clanging ringing loud throughout the town. But Audric cocks his head and smiles as they wait, and no footsteps come. Anger was growing on the large man's face as he saw the mischief in Audric's eyes and realizes what was going on. What did you do with my watchman? The man asks, squaring up, getting closer and threateningly closer to Audric. Don't worry, none of them were hurt. Audric soothes, putting his hands up in a peaceful, pacifying manner. You were worried about striking an alliance with people who were weak from their reliance on technology. And I'm just showing you that we're not as weak as you think. And in fact, we're strong enough that me and one of my men were able to take down all of your watchmen in the city. Is that something a weak country would be able to do? Oh, and we were able to do it without using any technology. You don't see us in fancy armor. You don't see any of our fancy guns. So what's your excuse now? The large leader was not pacified in the slightest by Audric's words. Vitaly could sense the tension vibrating through the room, and he did not want to be there. He did not want to have this fight. But he had to have Audric's back. So he'd stood still at attention, weight on the balls of his feet, anticipating whatever might happen next. My excuse, the man started grunting out, is it sneaking around and playing in the shadows is a coward's play. 
you sneak into my town and attack my people and expect an alliance out of that. If you really want to prove you are worth something to me, you take your champion here and I'll take one of mine and we'll let them have a little duel tomorrow. And we'll fight it out then. No trickery, no sneaking around, no cowardice. My best against your best. Audric put on a charming smile. We have a deal then, Antal. We'll see you in the morning. This was not at all how Vitali saw the evening going in the slightest. But by the looks of things, it seems to be going the way that Audric expected. They had spent the night sleeping in the woods. Audric had come prepared with bedrolls for them. And they woke when the sun came up early in the morning. They packed up their gear and made their way back into town. By then, there was already quite a crowd gathering, hearing the rumors of what had happened the night before. Someone must have gone through in the middle of the night and freed the watchmen that Audric and Vitale had subdued and tied up. He could see their angry and weary faces glaring at them amidst the crowd. Knots were forming in the pit of Vitali's stomach. He had done plenty of fights before. He had won plenty of fights. But there was something always unexpected. He hadn't interacted much with any Etsu people. And he knew nothing about, about Antal's people. He had no idea about their fighting style or what weapons they preferred to use if they preferred strength, or precision, or swiftness. As the two of them made their way to the center of town, Vitaly could feel their eyes on him. He still wore his mask that Audric gave him the night before, and he wore the under armor to his Atyrian guard uniform. Technically, it counted as a part of modern technology, but it didn't provide him any advantage in battle, so they assumed it would be fine. But it made him stand out among the crowd. He wanted to sneak off to watch some of the people warming up to get a feel for how this battle might go to try to develop some sort of strategy, but there were always eyes watching him, so he stayed by Audric. In the center of town, there was a ring set up for obviously where the duel was going to happen. There were people discreetly making bets, or not so discreetly. And there were a few contenders that seemed like they might be stepping into the ring. There was one broad and stocky man built of pure muscle warming up in the corner, lifting weights, stretching out his arms. There's a tall woman with shaved red hair, jogging in place and doing quick light punches in the air. And there were other men and women, tall and short, strong or thin, and Vitaly was overwhelmed that there didn't seem to be any one fighting style that he could count on, and he had no idea who his opponent would even be. He tried to narrow down who it would most likely be. And obviously Audric was doing the same thing because Audric nudged him and asked, who do you think you're going up against? My money's on the big man. 
They value strength here. He's obviously the strongest. But Vitale wasn't so sure. The large man was definitely the strongest, but his muscle in part seemed to be for show. The tall woman with the shaved head seemed the most well-rounded in her physique. She had lean muscle, enough to be strong, but not so much that it slowed her down. She seemed quick and light on her feet, and to him, that seemed like the obvious choice. That was definitely the one who would be most matched up against his own fighting style that landed pretty similar. He always trained himself for endurance and being able to outlast and being able to be quick rather than strong. And he was still plenty strong, but he didn't really stand up next to most of the other people on the Atiri guard. If he went up against the tall woman, it would just come down to a matter of who could be the fastest and who could be who could outlast the other. But if it came down to the strong man, it would just be a matter of being able to dodge for long enough that the strong man loses his breath or gets tired and can't keep up anymore. A gong rang out from the center of the city, bringing everyone's attention back to where the, att- the action was about to happen. Antal's voice rang out across the square, drawing everyone's attention and getting everyone pumped up for the action about to come. Welcome, everyone. Today we have some guests from Alaria who want to prove their strength and their worthiness to ally themselves with you, my people. So today, we have a duel between their champion, Pyxis. A boo creeps up from the crowd gathered to watch as Vitali is pushed forward by Audric out of the crowd and into the center. He holds himself tall and strong, preparing to square up against whoever is chosen. The leader, Antal, continued, The Pyxis versus my champion, Tano Kai. Vitali watches to see who steps forward and is a little surprised to see it's the strong man. From the corner of his eye, he sees the tall, red-headed woman with the annoyed face, frustrated that she wasn't chosen or given this opportunity, who storms off. The strong man, Tano, is met by cheers as he raises his fists in the air and grins at the people, his people, who he's there to support. They both take their spots on opposite sides of the square and face each other. When the bell rings out, they both dash forward towards each other, Tano's feet stomping against the ground, pebbles flying up with each step. Vitali stays light on his feet, watching the large man's movements and trying to anticipate where to move and when. He watches the strong man's weight shift to his left foot and dodges swiftly as the large man throws a punch. The large man pivots and throws another punch, but again Vitaly can see the large shifting of the man's weight and is able to dance around him. 
They continue this strange dance of the man turning and Vitale swiftly ducking, dancing around, backing up, moving as the large man tries to keep up. There are cheers and boos coming from all over the crowd, but to Vitale it seems distant and far away. His focus and his concentration are all on Tano, the strong man. His movements feel large and exaggerated and easy to follow, so it's not a problem as Vitale moves like water around each motion, waiting for his moment to strike and make a move. Stop. Dancing, little man. The strong man pants out, getting clearly frustrated and exhausted by the ongoing charade. Vitale feigns exhaustion as well, slowing down his dodges and speeding up his breathing before almost doubling over panting and watching as Tano brings in a large, over-eager punch, a little bit too much energy, a little bit too much excitement. So that when Vitale easily dodges and swift slips under, Vitale is easily able to sweep kick the man, sending him stumbling, and another well-placed punch sends the man to his stomach. Vitale swiftly on top of the man, putting his knee to his back, pinning his arms down. He looks like a flea on a giant's back, but the strong man is so exhausted, he can barely lift himself up to push Vitale off. The count hits three, and the fight is over, the duel is over, and Vitale won. There are still cheers and boos, but Vitale can see Audric smiling, and when he turns, he sees Antal smiling as well, having purposely chosen the worst matchup, clearly wanting this alliance to happen. A knot forms in Vitaly's stomach, but he won, he got the alliance, and he did his job. Thanks again for listening to this, I guess, blackout episode, even though the blackout only lasted for like the first minute. Um, This is a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun doing this. And I hope it's been fun to listen to. On a bit, give a big shout out to Louis Zong, who makes all of the music that I've been using so far. Um, I'm putting links to all of his music in the description and please go check out his art and his music it's all available on Bandcamp and everything is pay your own price he has over 600 songs out at this point and he's so generous about letting people use it for whatever project they're working on so go give him a listen go support him you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at LK underscore draws um and i'm probably going to be posting at some point some sketches of these characters i've done a lot of sketches over the last like four years that i've been planning the story and maybe i'll get around to making some new ones 
I don't know. The whole point of this project is to like not use my hands so much. So we'll see. But anyway, thanks for listening. And until next time.